Chapter Nineteen of Bon Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Bon Marie, a tale of Normandy and Paris by Henri Greville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Nineteen: How Pictures Are Made the next morning some little time before the hour fixed for the sitting morin was trying to dismiss the friends in his studio look here boys he said lucien is a very well-bred person you and your smoking caps will frighten her out of her wits go away the two youths to whom he addressed these conciliatory words were two brother artists whose studios were on the same floor with his own they talked rather than toiled and spent most of their time lounging in morin's quarters there they complained of the blundering idiots who did not understand them of the poor light in their studios of the jews of dealers who bought their pictures for nothing and sent them to america where they sold for preposterous prices these complaints disposed of they discussed the secrets of their art one of them called himself realist and the other colorist no one could understand why as there was no obvious difference they imitated each other without intending to do so and the canvas differed only in the signatures one day the colorist said to his comrade you remember your sketch le moulin de la galette it is very good do you know good it is a masterpiece listen a wealthy merchant ordered a landscape of me to be delivered to-night lend me your moulin i will sign it and my patron will give me a hundred francs a hundred francs you understand and to-morrow i will paint you a view from montmartre do this and we will have a good supper to-night the colorist consented and a few days later he signed the montmartre picture and sold it for a hundred and fifty francs go away my good friends i beg of you repeated morin in a dismissal tone but we wish to see your lucien you sent us off yesterday and you can't play the same game two days in succession no we won't go until we have seen her then go and make yourselves respectable respectable oh you mean in our dress is she a princess do it for me boys how can you make such asses of yourselves we obey but swear you will let us in again i swear only one condition however that you will conduct yourself with propriety while she is here never fear we will be as solemn as members of the institute bonne marie came in a few minutes and found morin on the arms his brush in his hand upon his clear and shining palette white and ultramarine naples yellow ochre and bitumen were arranged in regular drops in a half circle the young girl looked curiously at these patches out of which the delicacy of her pearly skin the brilliancy of her dewy eyes and the sweet freshness of her lovely mouth were to be reproduced how was this marvellous work to be accomplished what mysterious power would indicate to the artist what atoms of colour he should take on the point of his pencil to depict on that dull canvas a living image of the face at which she had so often gazed in her gold-framed mirror 
morin dressed in black velvet wearing a cap of the same looked like one of the painters of the renaissance and affected the girl as to be sure he always did as a being of a superior sphere she felt ignorant childish and weak in his presence and was afraid to meet his eyes are you alone she said after greeting him hastily morin divined her meaning yes alone he said gaily with that air of good nature which was one of his distinguishing characteristics but i fear i shall not long enjoy the pleasure of a tete-a-tete with you my studio is rarely empty had you come five minutes earlier you would have found it crowded and i wager my life that in less than five minutes some one will come and disturb us a bright smile flitted over bonne marie's face who is likely to come she asked any one and every one amateurs picture dealers and friends my doors are always open ever since a very poor jest of one of my comrades ruined my bell a poor jest repeated the girl she had rashly supposed this vast room which affected her like a church was no place for jests upon these high walls were fastened fragments of classic phrygies a plaster statue of the venus of milo sketches and landscapes several heads copies from some of the earlier painters for example the wonderful madonna of botticelli du louvre all these souvenirs of a far-away past all these treasures of art which people vaguely admire without in the least comprehending filled bonne marie with respectful admiration while at the same time they impressed more fully on her mind that the master of this mysterious spot lived in ideal regions far away from dull humanity look said morin pointing with his brush to the wall above the door bonne marie looked and beheld a small doll whose limbs covered with pink kid dangled helplessly from the bell wherein its head and shoulders had been mercilessly thrust i needed a ladder to take it out said morin with a lazy smile and i had none consequently my atelier is as public as any open square in the city but if it disturbs you not in the least said bonne marie eagerly the sitting began and at the end of fifteen minutes the two curious neighbours made the prophesied eruption into the studio we beg ten thousand pardons do not let us disturb you they said with the most serious air not at all come in mademoiselle lucien will permit me to receive you what have you there continued morin addressing the colorist my last panel an order my dear fellow i am not displeased with it on the whole either the colorist exhibited a piece of white board about as large as his two hands on which was represented in their full size a jar of blue faience on a yellow plate across which was a silver spoon this is the application of my general principle of aesthetics pray explain said bonne marie with some curiosity forgetting her pose and turning her head to look at this chef-d'oeuvre i am only too happy mademoiselle too happy my principle then although somewhat short comprises the whole of art all in all and all everywhere i have heard that before i think interrupted morin with that everlasting smile of his which verged something on the consumptuous probably but mademoiselle has not been equally fortunate i imagine this principle which eugene de la croix stated has become my maxim without it 
there can be no true art for painting is colour and colour is harmony now all pictures are harmonious are chefs-d'oeuvre do you see in nature all tints are mingled harmoniously that is why delacroix put blue in his flesh tints and flesh tints in his skies and you will admit that he was a most wonderful colorist but why have you put that blue spot in the bowl of your spoon asked morin it is a reflection of the sweetmeat jar but your spoon is not at the right angle to catch this reflection ah yes true then it is the reflection from the sky but where do you get it through my window of course indeed in autumn it strikes me that such a sky would be singularly blue for the season of the year no nature never does anything of that kind the nature makes a very great mistake that is all i have to say answered the colorist with considerable temper my dear friend interposed the realist wait a moment where should we be if we accuse nature of being in the wrong nature is never mistaken be sure of that but delacroix delacroix was an idiot you know what my opinion has always been in regard to him pardon this expression mademoiselle i merely intend to say that delacroix has had a very bad effect on his contemporaries talk to me of velasquez and i will listen to you velasquez did very well and had he known my principle of art he would have been the first of painters now with rembrandt it was different he had a dim suspicion of what i mean rembrandt he could paint with nothing but bitumen precisely he put it on everything and in everything and that is where he showed his genius his genius indeed he was a mere realist they continued to dispute showering epithets of fool and idiot and all those artists who did not happen to please them and finally one of the young men in the heat of discussion turned to bonne marie as arbitress i am very ignorant she answered with a deep blush and i really understand very little of the things you say but it seems to me that the painters of whom you speak velasquez rubens titian and rembrandt cannot be without worth since their works are in all museums and people talk of them to-day and yet they died so long ago gentlemen lower your flags you are conquered exclaimed morin in a high delight words of wisdom have dropped from mademoiselle lucien's lips bonne marie coloured again but this time with pleasure and turning away she stepped upon the platform and resumed her pose look said the colorist raising his head your doll is kicking some one must be pulling the bell come in he shouted with the voice of a stentor utterly regardless of the furious look which morin launched at him how delightful this atelier is exclaimed the newcomer as he pushed the door open no one can say you keep your guests waiting my boy and how is your precious health morin extremely surprised at this familiar greeting from a man he did not know bowed with cold politeness the unknown glanced stealthily at bonne marie who recognized him as a person whom she had noticed lately as a regular habitue of the concert room where she sang she had seen him sit the whole evening with the knob of his walking-stick between his teeth and a glass stuck in one eye it was the same man she was sure only his hair at night was reddish while by daylight it took a yellower tint as to his eyes they were unchanged shining and pale blue and set very much on the outside of his head 
unchanged too was his inquiring smile which displayed large and prominent teeth and seemed to ask at every stupid jest uttered by himself or any one else well what do you think of that End of chapter nineteen recording by monica raleigh